back to another week of Wrestling with Theology. I am Pastor Doug Minton, here with you this first Wednesday of the month for Apostolic Fathers. We're still going through the epistle of the Roman Presbyters to the Corinthian congregation, most commonly known as First Clement. If you've not been following along with the Apostolic Fathers, and especially this First Clement, what has happened in Corinth is after Paul has died and his letters have been written and all this, those presbyters that he set up have been set aside by a headstrong and arrogant party, as the Roman presbyters call them. So this is calling them to repentance, but also the congregation to say, no, this is the way it is supposed to be. So now we have, beginning in chapter 31, encouragement for this is how we are to live together as brothers. So chapter 31. Let us cleave therefore to his blessing and let us see the blessed ways. Let us study what has happened from the beginning. What grace blessed our father Abraham. Was it not righteousness and truth that he had through faith? Isaac, confidently knowing what remained, was led away as a willing sacrifice. Jacob departed with humility from the land because of his brother and went to Laban and served him, and he gave to him the twelve tribes of Israel. The patriarchs are brought forward as examples of those blessed because of faithful words and actions. Abraham lived in righteousness and truth because of God's promises to him. Genesis 12, 1-3, John 3, 21, and Galatians 3, 6 and 7. It was not his own doing. It was God's grace working through him, blessing him to be a blessing, as he had promised in Genesis 12, too. Delivering this blessing to his beloved son Isaac, Isaac was willingly led up Mount Moriah and bound to be a sacrifice to God, Genesis 22. Isaac, being spared from being killed on Mount Moriah, raised his twin sons Jacob and Esau to be blessed by the Lord. After his stealing his brother's birthright and blessing, Jacob runs away to his uncle's house and serves him for his two daughters, Genesis 27-29. through 29. Through God's blessing, Jacob was given twelve sons. They grow into the twelve tribes of Israel, God's chosen people to bring Jesus into the world. And move into chapter 32, where we go from, let's take them as a class, to now let's look at them individually. If anyone sincerely considers them individually, he will understand the magnificence of the gifts that are given by him. For out of Jacob came the priests and Levites, all who ministered at God's altar. Out of him also came our Lord Jesus according to the flesh. Out of him came kings and princes and governors according to Judah. And the rest of his tribes not in small honor, because God promised, Your seed will be as the stars of the heavens. Therefore each one was glorified and magnified not of themselves or their works or the righteous deeds which they worked, but through his will. And we, therefore, have been called through his will in Christ Jesus. He has not made us righteous through himself, nor through the works which he has worked in holiness of heart, but through faith, by which the Almighty God has justified everyone who has been from the beginning, in whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Taken individually, the Roman presbyters focus on our spiritual father, Jacob. 
It is through his fruitfulness that God's repeated promise, Genesis 15, 5, 22, 17, 26, 4, and also Romans 9, 4, begins to appear on earth. Jacob's 12 sons would later grow in Egypt to be the 12 tribes of Israel. Through the 12 tribes, God's blessing would come to fruition. God commands all people to worship him. To provide for this worship, the priest and Levites proceed from Jacob's third son, Levi. To provide the physical object of his worship, Jesus descends physically from Jacob through his fourth son, Judah. Through Judah also came David, the shepherd king. Government of God's people came from Judah, but the other 11 tribes were also honored. Their honor came in their number. God blessed all 12 tribes, not just Judah, so they would fulfill his promise to be as numerous as the stars of the heavens. Each and every person is justified by faith in Christ. No one can be justified without faith in Christ. We are justified because he saved us, according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Through this merciful washing in faith, every person who has ever lived is justified before God in Christ. We move into chapter 33. And now we begin with the questions. Therefore, what must we do, brothers? Must we abstain from the good deeds and abandon love? May the Master never allow this to happen to us, but let us hasten with urgency and zeal to accomplish every good work. For the Demiurge and Master of all things himself rejoices over his works. For by his exceedingly great might he established the universe. He divided the earth from the waters that surrounded it and set it firm on the sure foundation of his own will. He arranged the living things which walk on it to exist as he ordained. Having created the sea and the living things in it beforehand, he ordained them in his power. Above all, the most excellent and exceedingly great creation, according to intelligence, he formed man by his sacred and blameless hands in the impression of his own image. For thus God said, Let us make man according to our image and according to our likeness. And God made the man, male and female, he made them. Therefore, when all these things were completed, he praised them and blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Because the righteous are adorned in every good work, we see also the Lord himself adorned by his works and the universe rejoiced. Therefore, having this pattern, let us conform ourselves to his will, out of all our strength, let us work righteous works. The Roman presbyters bring up the creation as the foundation for our praise of God. God established the universe and everything in it for his glory. God designed everything by his power. The most excellent and exceedingly great creation is man. Through the gift of intelligence, man is given the additional gift of being able to worship and rejoice in God's creation. The Roman presbyters begin with the paraphrase of Romans 6.1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? They pray that God will never allow Christians to get into such a lax position where grace is cheapened. Our glory and holy life of praise is given its basis in God's rejoicing in his creation. The Christian's praise comes from being adorned with every good work which God has given for us to do, Ephesians 2.10. Our calling as Christians is to live our lives in accordance with the clothing we wear from our baptism. 
The clothing serves the pattern for holy living with all the virtues which support works of righteousness and God's will. We move into chapter 34. The good workman receives the bread of his work with freedom. The slothful and careless look not at their employer. Therefore it is necessary that we should be desirous for good works, for out of him is everything. For he told us before, Behold the Lord and his reward before his face, to recompense each one according to his work. Therefore he exhorts us to believe on him out of our whole heart, neither to be idle nor careless in every good work. Let our boasting and openness be in him. Let us submit ourselves to his will. Let us recognize the whole host of his angels, how they stand by to minister his will. For the scripture said, Ten thousands upon ten thousands stand beside him, and thousands upon thousands minister to him. And they cried out, Holy, 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 Lord of Sabaoth, all creation is filled with your glory. Therefore, in like manner, let us be gathered together for concord, as out of one mouth let us cry unto him earnestly that we may be made partakers of his great and glorious promises. For he said, Eye has not seen, and ear has not heard what the Lord has prepared for those who serve him. The encouragement to holy living continues as the good workmen are contrasted with the slothful and careless. The Holy Spirit encourages us to be good workmen for the kingdom. We should be good workmen for Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. 1 Corinthians 8, 6 and Hebrews 2, 10. In Him we live and move and have our being. Acts 17, 28. Our existence is dependent on His creation of us. Our salvation is dependent upon His coming with His recompense, glory, and power. Isaiah 40, 10, 62, 11, Zechariah 9, 9, and Revelation 22, 12. His recompense comes to all men according to their deeds, Proverbs 24.12, upon both the good workmen and the slothful and careless. Jesus exhorts us to believe. The Israelite creed, the Shema, encourages us to believe not just with our whole heart, but with our whole heart, soul, and strength, Deuteronomy 6, 4 and 5. This faith can only come from Jesus' recompense through our baptism. After our baptism, his works become our works and we are able to believe in Him with our whole heart, soul, and strength. We can boast in Him. We can number ourselves with the multitudes of the angelic host who perfectly submit to His will and perfectly worship Him in heaven, as seen in Isaiah 6.3 and Daniel 7.10. We may gather together as God's children worship Him, crying out to be, mar crying out to be partakers of His glory, glory that we cannot imagine with our earthly minds. Now we move into chapter 35, where the Roman presbyters talk about the gifts that God gives. How blessed and excellent are the gifts of God, beloved! Life and immortality, splendor and righteousness, truth and boldness, faith in what He has done, self-control and holiness. These things fall under our apprehension. Therefore, what do you think are the things prepared for those who wait patiently? The Demiurge and Eternal Father, the All-Holy One Himself, knows their number and their beauty. Therefore, let us contend to find ourselves in the number of those who wait patiently, so that we might be partakers of the promised gifts. But how will this be, beloved? If our mind is fixed faithfully to God, if we seek out the things becoming of the way of truth, casting off from ourselves all unrighteousness and evil, covetous, strife, 
maliciousness and deceit, slandering and backbiting, hatred of God, pride and arrogance, vainglory and inhospitality. For those who do these things are hateful to God. Not only those who do them, but also those who approve of them. For the scripture says, And God said to the sinner, For what purpose do you declare my ordinance and take up my righteousness with your mouth? You hated instruction and cast my words out behind you. If you ask a thief, keeping company with him and setting your portion with adulterers, your mouth multiplied wickedness and your tongue vowed deceit. These things you did, and I kept silent. You thought, O unrighteous man, that I will be like you. I will convict you and I will set you face to face with yourself. Now understand these things, you who forget God, lest he sees you as a lion, and there will be no deliverer. With a sacrifice of praise you will glorify me, and there is a way in which I will show him the salvation of God. The Roman presbyters contrast God's blessed and excellent gifts with man's sinful condition. God's blessed and excellent gifts come when we strive to wait patiently, seeking the way of truth. The presbyters continue with man's sinful condition as laid out in Romans 1 verses 29 through 32 and Psalm 50 verses 16 to 23. With these pictures in mind, they move into the next chapter to discuss our salvation in Jesus Christ. And that will come next month as we seek to go further into the Apostolic Fathers. But for this week, this is Pastor Doug Minton wishing you God's richest blessings as you continue to wrestle with theology.